Last week, we, uh, we are coming off the heels of a, an absolute move of God, I believe. And um, I want to encourage you. Um, if you've still not kind of gotten your release, today is the day. God's not a day of tomorrow. God's a day of today. God's a day of today. If you're hanging on to something, it's time to let it go. It's time to let him have it. He can handle it. He can handle it. Let's just dive right on in. And again, I want to give a quick shout out, shout out to a couple people in Harvest, at the Harvest Festival, and that's Delane Miller and uh, Melanie Gambrell for helping my wife so much. Amen. This weekend. There were so many other workers that helped with Halapalooza. Pastor Stephen can do that second service. He did it a little bit at first service, but um, when you guys make it easy on my wife, it affects my whole household. And we're, we're very thankful. And it was, we had three children saved at Harvest Festival. And uh, just a, a wonderful night, safe night. All right, battling depression. How many knows it's a battle? It's a battle. It's a battle, and it's a real battle. It's not something in your mind. It is real. And we have seen uh, for the last two weeks how even some of these great men and women of Scripture, great men and women of God, of power, the, that flow through them have battled depression. You are not alone, but just like them, you can come out of it and you can come out of it today. As Eileen said, you know, her breakthrough came immediately, but her healing took time. Amen. If you go and cut yourself, even though God has has uh, designed our bodies to heal, the healing starts to take place, but it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it can happen overnight, but usually We've got to kind of walk through some things and allow some healing to happen, right? So if you got set free last week and you're back battling again, that doesn't mean you didn't get it. It means you did get it. You just need to keep walking it out. And you keep speaking it out of your mouth. Depression cannot come on my land. If y'all have been with me on Sunday nights, I taught just on one of the spirits of depression. How it wants to overtake your property. Your property. This is your property. This is God's property. And how it, these enemies want to come in and take ownership. And they have no right. You know, when the children of Israel got delivered uh, into the promised land, that was their land. Those enemies just didn't know it yet. Actually, they did know it. They were just waiting for the children of Israel to come and take it back. Are you with me? All right. Why do we get depressed? This is kind of review. Last two weeks, we have looked at why. Oh, is this not going to work? Why are God's people depressed? Because number one. It's not going to work. We believe God has let us down. This is where we've been the last two weeks. So many times depression starts with disappointment and many times disappointment in God. That's not abnormal. That's normal. Things sometimes do not work out like you think they're going to. Amen. Number two, we experience repeated rejection. There is almost nothing like being rejected. Very difficult to take. Very hard to take. So starting this morning, told you it was going to be good. Well, I got good news and bad news. It's going to be bad before it gets good, but it's going to get good. 
Two more, a few more things here. What are God's response? What are God's? Now, I want you to catch this. This whole story we've been looking at, if you're new this morning, has been the story of Jeremiah. And how does a godly person battle depression? Not the worldly person. They don't have God to help them with. But how can it, number one, can a Christian get depressed? And how does a Christian battle it? Because that's where we are, right? Amen. All right. We experience repeated rejection. When, the responses when God's people are, are, are when God's people are depressed many times is number one, bitterness. How many knows as a spirit filled believer you can get bitter? Amen. Jeremiah wasn't happy. He was bitter. It says in verse 14, Jeremiah chapter 20, this is where all of this has been taking place is in Jeremiah chapter 20. It said, curse be the day that I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. You know, when when uh, Jeremiah is reflecting on his birthday, it's not a positive thing. We have just experienced my youngest child's seventh birthday. Let me tell you, it's a party long before. And it's been a party ever since. And she just assumed she could ride in the front seat because it was her birthday. Even though it wasn't her turn. And I'm like, you're going to get a lot of benefits, but getting that seat isn't one of them. The other child has their ownership. They want their seat. But you know what, Jeremiah, I don't even know if you knew this, but I, we did. We had this discussion out in the car. No, her front seat in her mind. Not the front seat. We don't let... Anyway, we'll work this out in between service. Jeremiah is not speaking positively about his birthday. You might want to have, basically, you might want to have a cursed birthday party, but you didn't have a happy one in Jeremiah's household. When he said, curse be the day I was born, he was not only cursing his birth, he was cursing his calling. He's not just saying, I wish I wasn't born, but I wish I did. I, I wish the calling on me wasn't there either. This all ties together because God called him while he was in his mother's womb. Depressed people do that saying, I wish I was never born. I know that hits home. I feel like if we were really honest with ourselves, we've all had a day like that. Man, I cannot hand, handle this. So we start off with bitterness. What else do we get? We get angry. Jeremiah was so angry about what was happening to him. Look what it says in verse 15. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father saying, a baby has been born to you and made him very happy. In other words, he's talking about the guy. I would assume back in this day, the man's not in the delivery room. That's kind of a new thing. Isn't it? Over the last... 50 years or less? Less. So go back 2,000 years. He's sitting out in the waiting room, pacing, watching CNN. Thank you. <laughs> or, a, or a waiting room. Thank you. Curse the guy that brought the news because it was happy news. Curse that guy. Look at verse 16. Let him be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting and without pity. Let him hear an outcry in the morning and shout of alarm at noon. He is not going to let this go. If you didn't get the point in verse 14, cursed be the day I was born. 
Okay, maybe you didn't get that one. Curse the guy who brought the news of the day I was born. And hang on, let's just talk a little bit more about him. Let him be cursed. Let him be like the cities which the Lord overthrew. You know, the desolate cities that are blown up and torn up and everything's taken from him, let him be like that. Then finally, then we're going to take, take a turn for the sunshine. Suicidal despair. Jeremiah became suicidal in his thinking. Verse 17, he's not done with his down in the mouth. Because he did not kill me before birth so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb ever pregnant, why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on sorrow and trouble so that my days have been spent in shame? To be honest with you, he's the kind of person I would walk away from. Uh, there is enough pain in my life than to walk up and hear, hear this. However, he is a prophet and sunshine's coming. It's coming. The Lord's coming. He just doesn't know it. He can't feel it. All he can do is see what's right in front of him. This is Jeremiah. You think, you, you, you think you're a half Christian because you get to a problem and you fall down? Join the crowd. Join the crowd. So let's get to the good part. What are the resources that we have as spirit-filled believers? When we get depressed, what do we do? Jeremiah did three things. Three words of advice from this uh, scripture. Our resources available. Number one, when God is silent, understand that when God is silent, he is still working. He is still working. He never sleeps. He never changes. Nothing happens in our life that isn't noticed. I think your scripture was, he even feeds the little birds. How much more? Was that right? How much more? You think, Pastor, did you not hear it? I've got so many things going in my ear, it's hard for me to really pay attention to anything. But when, how can you, how can you not know that God, it says that God, the creator of the universe, is thinking of you. And I don't believe that's past or present tense. I, I, I think that's, I don't think we can get the tense that it is. It's all the time. It's at every moment that he has us in mind and his provision for us in mind. Well, even when God is quiet, when you can't hear him, see him or feel him, understand that he is still working in your life. People ask me all the time, pastor, why doesn't God hear me? Well, my answer is he does. He does hear you. That isn't the issue. The issue is that God doesn't always interact with us. So we know that we've been heard. I'm going to back that up. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11 says, For the Lord is with me like a dread companion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed with an everlasting grace. They will not be forgotten. All of a sudden, he can see that he's going to come out of it. This is why you need a church. So that you can come in and share your story like Jeremiah did. And don't be afraid to come share your, your stuff with me or with my wife. I was kind of kidding. You know, but when you start saying, cursed be the guy that brought, you know. But the reason we need church, the reason we need other believers is so that when you say, man, I can't make it. You know what our response is? 
Yes, you can. And let me help you. I'm not going to leave you on your own. Either I'm going to physically help you or I'm going to give you the tools to help you or I'm going to put people in place for you to help you. And we're going to do this together. Our whole church showed our not our whole church, but quite a few men showed up Friday to help a person in our church move. That's what we do. Some stayed longer than others. My, my daughter's birthday was it was that day and I, I did. I ran out. I kind of feel guilty. I need to repent. I, I did go do what I said I was going to do, but I didn't stay the whole time. But we did. We moved Miss Linda Bryant. By the way, if y'all don't know, Linda Bryant's moving to Las Vegas this week. And I would encourage you, give her a big hug this morning. If she's here, send her out. But that's why we need church. Even when God is silent, he's working. We can come out of it. I'm only going to give you one classic illustration, but it's a good one. Do you know this? When Jesus was on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he got no response. Did God not hear him? The greatest act ever done here on this earth was being performed. Do you think God didn't hear him? Nope. God was at full work. I want you to know that when you feel like God doesn't hear you, God is at work in your life. God is at work in your life. Let me give you a definition of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is trusting and obeying God without needing visible or emotional responses from him. That's easier said than done, isn't it? The ability to trust God even when we don't sense him doing the work. Remember what Jesus told Thomas when he wanted a sign? Jesus appeared and in John chapter 20 he says... Put your hand on my side and the prince of my hand, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. In other words, he said there's a higher level to live than where people live like Thomas lived. Who constantly have to have signs all around them that God is at work. And that level is where just through faith the person knows that God is alive and doing the work. Even when we cannot see or feel him or when we pray and our prayers just seemingly bounce off the ceiling of heaven and don't seem like they're going to be answered. Number two. Regardless of how bad, never stop talking to God. The, the thing that I get most out of this passage is that the way that Jeremiah worked his way out of depression was by talking to God. And in unflattering terms. He didn't mince his words at all. This isn't a pretty chapter at all. I mean, it's not a chapter you pull out to read for encouragement. But it teaches me about depression. He tells me that when you're down... You need to be honest with God and say, God, I'm not feeling good about this. And I want to tell you what I think. Can I shake your maybe your theology just a little bit? It's okay to rant and rave to God. 
It's called relationship. It's okay to communicate. It's okay to tell him how you feel. It's okay to cry out. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay. You may say, I can't rant rant and rave in front of God. If I told God how I really felt about him, I might shock him. People really think that. Sometimes we think God's something other than an all-sovereign God. Let me tell you something. If you think it, he knows it. If you think it, he knows it. A good thing about his being his child is you can, you can say, God, I don't like that at all. Have you ever said that? I have. God, I don't like where I am. I don't like who I am. I don't like what you're doing in me. I don't like the way things are going. I don't like it. There's nothing wrong with that. It might ease your tension a little bit around the home to rant and rave a little bit to God. (laughs) Your spouse may not have to hear it all the time. When you rant and rave, it it, it doesn't kind of make God dizzy up on his throne. He can handle your prayers. You can't throw him a curveball. You can tell him exactly how you feel. Express it honestly. The good thing is that God, our Heavenly Father, He loves us unconditionally. He wants us to tell Him how we really feel. You see, a good relationship means that you share anything you want with that person. A bad relationship is when you say, I have to be careful about this. I can't talk about this because my spouse can't handle it. I don't think I can bring this to the table. If Jeremiah proves anything, it's that he has an incredibly excellent relationship with God. A great relationship is one that is completely exposed. When you're not completely exposed and vulnerable, you're holding something back. Either you fear the person or you fear what you've got. And you don't let go totally. But Jeremiah, you could see, let it all out. He let it all out. Finally, number three, you claim the promises of God. You know, I have been pretty, pretty tough on using the scripture, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed in the city, blessed in the country. A scripture which we all love. And I have always given the precursor that you, you might as well just keep that to yourself if you don't obey the first verse. The first verse of that scripture, Deuteronomy 28, if you'll obey, if you'll hear and obey, then this applies. Okay. If you are walking your life with Christ, giving your whole heart to him, you're falling down and making mistakes, but your heart is right. Now's the time to claim it. You may not be living perfectly, and I'll tell you, you're not. God does not expect you to live perfectly. He sent one that could live perfectly. He knows the rest of it. And the rest of us need to try with a right, the right heart. David had the right heart, but he messed up royally. But God saw his heart every time. 
He didn't focus on the sin. He focused on the heart. When we've got our heart right and you're battling through this and it's raining cats and dogs. I am the head and not the tail. I am not going to stay here. I am going to come out. There may be no other way for me out of this. But God, you're watching me and you're going to care for me. I can't see the release. I can't feel the release. But your word tells me so. Because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. What else does he tell you? That you are the head and not the tail. You are not to be defeated. You are to be victorious. And these things that are coming at you are going to have to go. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But my focus is on you. You see, Jeremiah let it know, let God know what his problem was. And then he started confessing out of his mouth. You will take care of my enemies. You will take care of me. Look what Jeremiah says in verse 13. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has delivered the soul of the needy, the needy one, from the hand of the evildoers. Now, I want you to catch this. This scripture came before all the cursing. Can you see a... Um, I don't want to use the term bipolar, but he's praising at one time, cursing at the next. You know what? Sandwich your cursing with praising. Have you ever heard good leadership skills? Whenever you're going to criticize someone, sandwich it with positive. Start with a positive, criticize in the middle, end with a positive. Watch how Jesus handles the churches. In Revelation, he starts off telling them something good. And then he tells them something bad. Praise the Lord. You are going to stumble. Let it out. Ouch, Father, that hurt. I didn't like that. But I will praise you again. And you're going to bring me out. You're going to bring me out. Jeremiah said, I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to claim his promises. He called me and he said that I would be a, that he would be a spring of living water. And I'm going to believe that if I keep preaching, he's going to show up. If I will keep after my walk with God, he will deliver me. I had read earlier and a couple weeks ago about Spurgeon's depression. But let me give you another uh, quote from him, if I can, real quickly. Depression forces, this is Spurgeon, depression forces me to go back to the promises of God's faithfulness. You know, sometimes we don't even think that we need God until we get down. Here's what I found. This is Spurgeon. God was preparing me for something greater. The cloud is black before it breaks. It overshadows before it yields a deluge of mercy. Depression has now become to me as a prophet in rough clothing. A John the Baptist heralding the near coming of my Lord's richer blessing for my life. The people of God, they may get depressed, but they have a God that can pull them out. 
They have a God. We have a God that can pull us out of the pit. It is key, the words that you say. Let God know the problems that you're having. Let it be known. Speak it out of your mouth. But put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I have never had a time, never, that I have wanted to get depressed that when I, when I could remember to praise the Lord, that the depression lifted every time. You clothe yourself with the praises of God. And if it doesn't lift right away, keep praising. It doesn't mean all of a sudden, poof, the problem's going to go away. All of a sudden, your focus turns from the problem to God. And let me tell you, depression is focus. We've lost focus. We've allowed our mind to go down the wrong road. And it's real. And it'll kill you. And it'll kill your marriage. And it'll be passed down to your children. And your children's children. But put on the garments of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. Your joy is my strength alone. Amen. Y'all stand with me. If y'all don't mind. Father I thank you. You know what? Let's just do this. Let's just praise the Lord for just a minute. And I just encourage you, if you know a song that has praise in it, do it. If you know words that have praise, just a psalm, then just praise. And I'll start. Lord, I praise you and I worship you. I lift you up for you alone are worthy. Lord, I just lift your name for your name is the name above all names. Jesus Christ, we love you. I praise you. I adore you for you are holy, wonderful, marvelous, glorious, omnipotent, righteous and mighty. Lord, we praise you. We lift you up. We magnify. We glorify. We exalt you. We extol you. We adore you. Hallelujah. 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 Keep going. I want you to know right now, those that have come in here battling with depression right now, that depression is lifting. It is lifting, it is lifting, it is lifting for the spirit of praise, for the spirit of praise, put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That heaviness, I say right now in the name of Jesus, is lifting, is lifting. Thank you, Lord. This exercise, I thank you, Lord, and just look up here at me. This exercise that we just did right now has enough power to break free any depression that may come on you in the week. It may sound like some kooky little thing that you can do, but it is not kooky. It is God's word and it is what's happening around the throne of God. And there is no depression around the throne of God. Father, we thank you for a breakthrough this morning in depression. Breakthrough in praising and in worshiping. Lord, I thank you that a tool has been released from heaven this morning to equip us to fight off depression. Thank you, Lord. We just praise you. And we just worship you. Now you may be here today and maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know, don't wait another moment. It says, if you will believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't wait another day. 
I want you to step out in just a moment and let us pray for you. If you've got a healing issue, if you've got a health issue or a financial issue or a marriage issue, or maybe you want prayer over depression, today is the day. Step out. If those that are uh, those that are ministering, step on out. Pastor Stephen, if you'll come on. And we want to pray with you this morning. Step out and let's get released. In Jesus' name, amen.